Okay, good morning, everybody. My name is Sean, and you have to listen to me talk. Uh, it's great to be here, Into One, one of my favorite places, but also one of the few churches I have ever been to that has an Afghan flag up here at the front. Do you guys know this? This is the Afghan flag. Usually you get Mexico and you get, you know, Israel and other places. You guys have an Afghan flag. And today you will get to hear about how God is working among Afghans here in Toronto and around the world. Uh, but first I wanted to uh, start with an apology. I might look a little bit tired. I had a bit of a run-in with a raccoon about 3 o'clock in the morning. Anybody else have raccoon issues? I think it's pretty universal. It's like roll up the rim. Everybody goes through it. And I thought how it's the last chance for men to really, you know, uh, engage in battle, right? You come out of your house with your bathrobe at 3 a.m. with a broom. Yeah! And you just feel like you're in a movie, right? This is Sparta! And then the raccoon runs in the bushes and that's it. So uh, I'm a little bit tired. Sleeping on the couch, checking... The See if it came back. But uh, so excited to be here. Some of you might know we have a great connection with this church. Uh, I grew up in Markham. And actually, Graham's mom was my English teacher in high school. So a big round of applause for Mrs. Clinton. I say that every time I come here. Uh, who put up with me before I became a Christian. And then uh, I was saved, redeemed through an amazing ministry. I don't know if you have this ministry here. It's called Missionary Dating. And it's, a, it's where churches send all the backsliding girls to the high schools. They date all the really bad guys, and they bring them to church, and then they get saved and go into full-time ministry, right? Uh, it doesn't always work like that, but for me, that's, that's what happened. And uh, I like to say the relationship with the girl didn't work, but the relationship with Jesus did, so praise the Lord. Uh, then after a number of years, I uh, met my amazing wife, Haley. She was stranded on an island in the Atlantic Ocean, owned by Prince Edward. And so I vanquished Prince Edward, and I took her back to Toronto, where we uh, are serving God full-time for, I guess, about 15 years now. We actually uh, started at, uh, in Scarborough, right down the street from uh, First Alliance, where Graham grew up. So I'm just going to check what's on my PowerPoint here. This is not my hand. Uh, is there a picture? Yes. So we are serving in this crazy area in Toronto called Thorncliffe Park. Have you guys heard of it? Bruce MacArthur is from Thorncliffe. And the guy that shot up Danforth is from Thorncliffe. So it's difficult to think, can any good thing come from Thorncliffe? So we've been there for about 10 years, and everywhere we go, people, they want to talk about Muslims, right? What's going on? Uh, maybe you heard recently there, the Islamic Party of Ontario got formed, which is basically just the people who are protesting the sex ed. They just took a different name, and now, uh, you know, we know all these people. We've been in there. Uh, we have lots of stories about all these people in Thorncliffe. But whenever we go, we, we try to have resources to help people to just relax, take a deep breath, Muslims are normal people. Just say hi to them. Don't, uh, you know, hide and uh, be afraid. So we have uh, a number of things here. This is a booklet called The Five Principles. Uh, at the back, these are free. Please take them. If uh, you don't have any money, just take it. If you have money, anything you want to leave there will go to uh, Obaid and our Afghan ministry. 
But this is a little booklet, and if you're too lazy to read, then it's a DVD in the back. You just put the DVD in, right? If DVDs are still a thing. And it's the top five things if you start talking about your faith with a Muslim. Top five things every single Muslim is going to say to you, and so that's uh, pretty handy. Also, we have a number of books and things in different languages back there. Uh, even a few of these cartoons. We work with mainly people, English is not their first language, and so these come in pretty handy. We also have Bibles in different languages. If you have a friend who speaks a specific language and you try to go to find a Bible and you can't find it, just uh, contact us. We can get that for you. We also have newsletters at the back, so if you uh, this is kind of like your program when you go to the Leaf, or the, do they do these anymore at the Jays game when you try to figure out who is playing for the Jays and Donaldson's not there anymore and Batista's not there and Encarnacion's not there. So these are at the back as well if you want to see uh, more about different people. And of course, because we're in full-time ministry, you need to get our picture and put it on your fridge because all Christians pray when they go to the fridge to get ice cream. So you can pray for us. Uh, other things I'm going to mention uh, as we go through. So if we go to the next slide, uh, we work in this area, Thorncliffe Park, and uh, we got sent out kind of like local missionaries, and we said, hey, we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to pretend like we are missionaries in another country, even though we're still here in Canada. And so we're doing things a little bit differently. If you go to the next slide... Uh, oh, these are our pictures of our wonderful kids who are too cool to be here with us. No, they, ha they have their own uh, church stuff to do. And then next slide, I think. Yeah, so CBC Radio came to Thorncliffe, and they said, Thorncliffe is Canada 20 years ahead of schedule. So we are from the future. And uh, if you go to the next slide, we can talk a bit about Thorncliffe. If you go down the Don Valley Parkway, you know the Aga Khan Center. This is the world headquarters for one denomination, the, the Aga Khan. That's uh, there when you go past. And then the next slide, uh, this is actually our kids' first day of school. So the funky thing about Thorncliffe, uh, you probably heard when the same-sex protests, uh, the sex ed protests were happening. All this school in Toronto, they pulled all their kids out of school, so that was our kids' school. And uh, about 2,000 kids just from kindergarten to grade five. So I think maybe next, there might be a slide of uh, our kids, no. So this is Thorncliffe when you go around the, the DVP down by the Science Center. So 35 apartment buildings, about 30,000 people all squished in the buildings. So when we started there, we thought we were really suffering for Jesus. We went from a four bedroom house to a three bedroom apartment. Our kids all had to share a room, wow, we're really, amazing. And then we met the Afghan family that had lived there before us, and they had 11 people in that apartment. And uh, so a lot of families are arriving in Thorncliffe. They help their family, extended families, to settle. And then they eventually want to move to a nice place like Stouffville and buy a house. The poster child for Thorncliffe is the first Muslim mayor in Canada. You might know him, Nahid Nenshi from Calgary. Landed in Thorncliffe, was there a few years, it's all rentals, and uh, no government housing, just working, people working, supporting five, six kids and their families back home. So uh, if you go to the next slide, oh, it doesn't have the school. So these are some stats uh, because we know missionaries never exaggerate, okay? 
Next slide. These are from, you know, Toronto. So this is Silas, our youngest guy in the Spider-Man hat down here. And he's trying to get a word in with his teacher. We have to take these sneaky little cell phone pictures so uh, Muslim ladies don't get angry at us. And so we know all these, uh, these families, but it's a different environment there in Thorncliffe. So uh, next slide. How do you connect and reach out in an area like this and start something totally new? Uh, if we look in the book of Acts, you can see the first church. How did they, what was their grand master plan when they wanted to start the new, the new venture in Antioch, right? It was everybody running for their lives because this guy Stephen just got murdered, right? Not a super awesome game plan. God can work with whatever that you give him. And if you look at how the, uh, the early church got started, it was just a lot of faith trusting God and uh, trying to expand. So uh, next slide. We got started in uh, 2007, and we had a big launch meeting because that's what you do when you plant a church. You have a big whoop thing and hope everybody shows up, and then you hope they keep showing up. And so 2007, George Verwer came and he yelled at everybody, let's go, yeah! And then he left and we were there all by ourselves. And if you go to the next slide, then we thought, okay, step one, this is the, the, uh, the to-do list if you ever want to start something you know, brand new, right? Step one is prayer. This is the, the prayer. Lord, we have no idea what we're doing. Help! And that prayer continues um, basically your whole life. But we just, the first year, we actually, part of our story is we had a miracle. We uh, come from a brethren background, so Leaside Bible Chapel is our home church. They were sending us to Thorncliffe, and in Thorncliffe is the Salvation Army's Canadian headquarters. So we brokered this weird deal where four different denominations partnered together. So you can imagine anybody from a brethren background, right? You got to break bread every week. And we're working with the Salvation Army that doesn't do communion at all. How's this going to work? We don't know. Please just trust us. We're going to try to do this thing. So for the first year, 2007, we just prayed the whole time. Lord, we don't know what we're doing. Help. And when our board, you know, our, make up our board of directors, these four denominations. So they all said, so, like, what's the, what's the, what's the plan? What's your five-year plan? And we said, ah, we're going to pray. And they said, oh, yes, Definitely. Yes, we, prayer is excellent, good, good. But uh, uh, what's the plan? And we said, ah, that's it. That's just, we don't know what we're doing. <laughs> and so uh, for basically the last 10 years, that's been it. And trusting God each step of the way. So for the next slide, then Christmas came that year, and we got connected with two different people, the people that made the Jesus film. So if you remember, who remembers when Billy Graham came through and it, some of us, you know, we went and knocked on doors and said, hey, I've got this VHS. Do you want to watch this VHS? And then I'll come back in a week. Uh, they had put it on a DVD. Remember, this is 2007, so DVDs were still a thing. And so uh, they had put the Jesus film in 16 languages on a DVD. So we thought, this is awesome. Lord, we have no idea what to do with these. What should we do? Help. Then we got connected with the people from... Uh, Power to Change. This is a, a ministry at the universities. They changed their name from Campus Crusade. I don't know who thought using the word crusade was a good idea for evangelism. Like, we're trying to work with Muslims here. And, okay, Power to Change it is. So 
Power to Change had all the students come to Toronto for a big conference, and they said, uh, could you use like 200 students for a day? They can come and do some event, you know, outreach in your area, do the four spiritual laws with people and whatever. He said, okay, this is great. We'll take the DVDs, and we'll put them in little bags, and we'll give them to the students, and the students can give them out to every apartment in the neighborhood, and if it goes really bad, we'll say, we don't know who those kids were. And hide. But if it goes really well, we'll do the follow-up on all the contacts and take all the credit. So it was a win-win for everybody. And we did that for a number of years where we would go in the neighborhood between Christmas and New Year's and just knock on everybody's door in Thornton and say, hey, Merry Christmas, Muhammad. This is the story of Christmas. Do you celebrate Christmas? Can we pray for you? Whatever. And, uh, through that, we met a number of people that, to our surprise, wanted a Bible. They were interested in Christianity. They're new in Canada. And also people who had dreams about Jesus. Have you guys heard about this happening? This was just as scandalous as working with the Salvation Army was the you know, more conservative people saying, a, dr- a dream about Jesus what do you mean? And people would have dreams that were right out of the Bible. You know, we had we, one lady, she had, a, uh, one guy, he had a dream that he was a sheep and he was in the field with a bunch of other sheep and then a wolf was coming to attack all the sheep. And they started running. You know, you have that nightmare where you can't run. And then Jesus came and chased the, sh- the wolf away and saved all the sheep. We were like, this is amazing, you know? They have these very biblical kind of dreams. And so if you go to the next slide, the one... Uh, oh, sorry. Keep going. I'll oh, keep going again. Sorry. I thought I had... Yeah, that's me. Next one. So then we met this person who'd had a dream about Jesus, the most interested person we'd ever met, who said to us, I love Jesus. I'm dreaming about Jesus, but I'm a Muslim, so I'm never going to change. And then we thought, oh, what do we do here? Like... You're supposed to sign the decision card and come to our thing, and it didn't work like that. It was a much longer, longer process. And so I brought her here today. If you guys want to hear a little bit of her story, Haley and we call her Dreamer. So let's welcome Dreamer and Haley up. (laughs) That's not fair. Hi, thank you very much. I'm so happy I'd be here. It's the first time I'm here, and God bless. Yes, that's a call me dreamer, because I dream about Lord many times. So, yes, I am, my background is Muslim. I was Muslim, and now I'm devoted Christian. I have a longer story, but I have to keep it very small, 10 minutes only. I, if I could talk for 10 hours, I, I'm not getting tired at all. So, uh, I was born in Iran, and my background was Muslim, very strict Muslim. I was in, uh, in Iran, and I uh, was in the religious uh, school for 12 years. And they teach me Quran, the, um, I have to read by, um, Quran, and also uh, do the prayer and fasting, everything. But I was really really wondering about something that my life is missing something in my life, and I had to do something. So after many, many years, 
uh, I am flew to India. For four years, I was in India in the college. And then I came, God brought me in Canada. And he has a plan for me, and I didn't know what the reason, what's happening to my life. Uh, on 2003, I had a very hard time in my life with my husband. And um, I didn't know what's happened. I said, okay. Every, I would just pray and fasting. Nothing is help. I call Muhammad, Ali, Hussein, Hassan, everyone. Nothing is help. And it was on Good Friday, 2003. Um, my daughter was one year old. I never forget that. I was li I'm living in Tonkilift, that's you know. Um, and still I am. And um, they had a very nice ceremony for the Good Friday with the Orthodox Church. And they had to have a candle in their hand, and they ran for one hour to go to the church. And then that time, I felt so different. And I begged the Lord to um, change my life. And two hours, I cried. I said, oh, God helping me. And I called his name, um, Jesus. And I said, because I thought Jesus is my prophet. I didn't know it's my God. So I said, prophet Jesus, come and help me. And then after two hours, I was crying. My eyes was puffing. And then I was dream. The first dream, I never forget what I had. The dream was, um, I, I saw my dream that I crucified. They crucified me. And I felt the nail in my hand. And I said, what did I do wrong? What's happened to me? Why did they crucify me? And I said, God, help me. I need help. And then I saw the front of me, the Lord Jesus Christ there. And I was just in pain. I said, I said hi. And I said, hi. <laughs> I said, okay, may I ask, who are you? I said, you called me, didn't you? I said, yes, what's your name? I was so curious in my dream also. I am a very curious person too. I said, may I ask your name? And he said, I am Jesus. <sighs> when I heard that, I felt so different. And then he said, your sin is forgiven, and i be with you forever. And I will be for you forever. And then I wake up. I said, what was it during my head? What's happened? After a few days, my life has changed as a good thing. The miracle came to my life for many, many times. And um, one miracle was happened that my husband didn't have an immigrant for immigration status for 10 years. And then a few days, my, and he is so stubborn. He was very stubborn man, believe me. Iranian or stubborn. And then... When I just told him that, okay, I want to do something, we can go to immigration and talk and see what will happen. I said, okay. I said, what? What's happened? What? He said, yes. Because that's a miracle. I never forget that what's happened. After three years, my husband became immigrant. And I was so happy and I was praying to Lord for four years. And I want to see my personality. I am not a quiet person at all. If I have a secret, I have to say someone. But this time, for four years, I have to be quiet. 
I have to be quiet between me and Lord. I didn't say anybody about my dream. I didn't say anything. And I had to be quiet. And I was just praying. I said, help me. I need someone to be Christian. And in this neighborhood, all are Muslim. 99% are Muslim. I was looking for one Christian to find one person at least to talk with them. And then I was in the park, and my daughter was five-year-old, and uh, I was just playing, my daughter was playing in the slide, and I saw one lady, I feel okay, I'm going to see, talk with her, and talk with her, and finally I found she's Christian. I said, oh, done, great, I got one. And then I was just talking with her, and uh, this wonderful because my daughter and her son is four days different only. They were connected, same as brother and sister. I was so happy. And then one day I went to talk with her. I said, okay, you know, do you have any people that I want to talk with them? So you know what? There is a one it's, um, for the school, um, summer school for the Christian, and then you can go there and do something. I said, what should I do? He said, knitting. I said, what? Knitting? That's what I don't like at all. But okay, I go for knitting. I have no problem. And then when I went for this school, I met Sean and Haley. That's God's plan. And then after one month, the knitting is done. I said, finally, I'm done with knitting. <laughs> I don't want to do knitting anymore. And then Harry said, no, you should come my home and do knitting again. I said, oh, my God. Never end up. It's too much. But God was just showing me that when I went to her house, it was the ladies were sitting, and then I said, okay, I want to say something right now. It's too much. For, our, for six years to be quiet is too much. And then I said, okay, I want to say something I, I dream about Jesus. They were, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. So what's happened? What's happened? I didn't know what's going on with them. And then they said, oh, you, you dream about Jesus? I said, yes. Did I do bad wrong? He said, no, 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 no. We are waiting for that moment that someone do dream about Jesus. And it was me. So how God is so wonderful that it showed me that I dream about Jesus. And then after for, uh, I was so thirsty for the Bible study. I went for the Bible study. I went to their house for the prayer. And every time when they pray, it was happening something miracle. And it was so great. So after um, 2009, um, I dream about him again. And when I dream about him, something is going to happen. And then I dream about, he came to my dream again, Lord came and said, after two days you lose someone and you never be alone. Just trust me and I will take care of you. And I said, what will happen after two days? Something is going to happen because Lord came to my dream and he said something is going to happen. After two days, I lost my husband. He had a heart attack and my witness was Heli and Sean. They took me to the Richmond Hill Hospital and I saw him, he died. 
And it was a big problem. And then I remember, oh my God, the Lord came and he told me I will lose him. I didn't know who was it. And it was my husband. And then I trust him. And he said, because I, you came to my dream, I trust him what's happened to my life. And then I had to ship him in Iran because my in-laws said, bring him back to Iran. And the time the Lord came to my dream again, and he said, the time is you have to rise and said you live in me. And again, Sean and Haley was witness. And I was in my husband's funeral, my husband's funeral, and his casket was in front of me. And then right away I told them, I want to just say something that I believe in Lord, I want to be Christian, and my husband was Christian too. My goodness, it was in the church happened because they said, why is she not in the mosque? And then I told them, because I love Jesus and I want to be Christian. And right away, they're yelling at me, they persecute me, and they left me forever. And I said, I don't care. I have my new family now. After one year, I begging, Lord, which day? It's good for me to be baptized. And it was happened. On 2011, July 31st, I became Christian. So everything was so great. We did the ministry in Tonkili with the Jesus Network. Everything one day I was just lit. And I opened my Bible and said, Lord, what do you need from me again? Should I do something? And then I opened my Bible and I saw these verses built my church. Wow. This is big one. And then I said, okay, this is the best. I'm going to do it. And then I prepare Iranian food. Believe me, Iranian food is so delicious. And then I brought many people and then I talk about Jesus. We do the worship song and we talk about Jesus and my sweet Helid, she did everything for us and I was translating for them. And then next week, they said, we want to come back again. Hallelujah. So my bell church is coming my home for two, three years. I was doing it. After three, day, three years, I had to do the surgery because I had uh, silver arthritis in my light and the left total hip replacement I should done. And that was it. Been miracle happened. It's a big story. I won't give you a hard time with that. Believe me, I have lots of story for you. But after my surgery done, I'm happy what's happened to me, and now I can walk. And I'm just doing my Bible study again. Actually, two days ago, my Bible study was my home, and everybody loved it. And it's miracle happened to my life again. So thank you very much. That's why I said 10 minutes. They give me. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> lots, lots of more stories. Uh, and we just thank God for how uh, God worked in Dreamer's life. You know, you think of a, a, 
church service, you know, so she said, oh, I'm going to have church. So people come and they eat at six, and then we watch the whole Jesus film from seven to eight, and then we pray for two hours, and then, and then, and we, you know, are like, okay, by midnight, that's enough church, but these guys... They, they're super hungry. They've never uh, read the Bible before. So one of the things that Dreamer did is she said to us, you know, guys, it's great you're giving out all these DVDs and these little bags. That's cute. But why don't we give out Christmas baskets? These people are brand new to the country. We need to give them baskets with a bag of rice and toys and a Bible and chocolates to all the families. And then we thought, okay, back to step one. Lord, we have no idea how we would do that. Help. And so for the last number of years, we've given out about four or 500 Christmas baskets. Uh, this is Dreamer giving a basket to uh, one of her contacts. And these are, you know, we started with Dreamer's contacts, and then the next year, uh, she said to those contacts, do you have anybody else that you know who's new to the country that might need some help? So we're connecting with people that are uh, brand new. So next slide. <clears throat> uh, so after, oh yeah, right. So at the back there, we have a DVD about Muslims that have had dreams about Jesus. Really, really well done. Documents their uh, journey. So, you know, if we'd have met Dreamer and she said, I had a dream, you know, I have been haven't told anybody for four years, and still it's going to take about four or five more years of discipleship and baptism and all this craziness, you might think, oh, wow, that's a long time. Uh, but with people who have no, uh, you know, Christian background, we need to take a lot longer, a lot longer runway for takeoff. So these uh, can help a bit. You can watch it. You can give it to your uh, friends from different countries. So I'm going to skip through a few of these. So grab that DVD at the back. So then each year at Christmas, we're giving out these DVDs, gifts. We're meeting contacts. I think the next slide uh, is, yeah. So these are people that would come to our gatherings. This guy at the bottom here, this is a, a baby uh, one of our really great connections, they had a baby on my birthday. So they named him Sean instead of Bobo Murad. So I think the kid will be very happy once it gets to high school. Uh, so now, you know, I can retire and he can take over the ministry. So these are p people that we were meeting with in Thorncliffe and they were then moving away. The guy in the middle is in Richmond Hill. These guys went to Scarborough and uh, Mississauga, and so we thought, man, back to step one. Lord, what do we do? We now have too many connections with all these people, and they're going back to their home countries. They're moving all over the place. One Pakistani family, they got a job in uh, Yellowknife, <laughs> so we were praying for them as they adjusted to minus, you know, ridiculous weather. Uh, so <clears throat> next slide, we decided, hey, let's uh, expand. So again, the board asked us, uh, oh, that's great. Yeah, you're making contacts. But uh, what's the plan? And we said, ah, here's the plan. This is the network, Jesus, network, connections, their connections, and we're going to see where it goes. Uh, next slide. And then we also had to expand to connect with people that were doing weird stuff so that uh, as we got more contacts, we had more connections. So Around this time, too, we got connected with this crazy guy, Graham, who was like, I want to start a new cool thing, but I'm not a new venture yet. Uh, what are we going to do? So we kind of helped midwife the, the into one situation. Anytime a denomination doesn't know what to do with something, they say, oh, just give it to Sean. He'll figure it out, right? So these kind of weird things are not mission. Are they churches? Like, are they going to become something? Like our Albanian guy, if you go to the uh, next slide, 
Yeah, so we uh, partnered with this Indonesian church. You know, 30, 40 people doesn't look like a big, huge thing at some of our denominational connections, but these guys are reaching Indonesia contacts all over the world. And then uh, next slide is our Albanian guy. Only Albanian uh, church in the country. Now, this guy is amazing. I love him. He was the worship leader back in Albania. And then he comes here and he has to do everything himself, right? So, you know, the spirit is leading in all different directions. Uh, so the denomination's like, I ah, just go with Sean. Yeah, figure it out. But Albania, uh, you know, super uh, needy country there. Uh, so next slide. These are some of the people that started joining as we started uh, expanding. And they're all in the... your your program at the back. Shiv is another crazy story. This is a friend, grew up in a Sikh family, came to Christ in high school, studying world religions. Her parents kicked her out of the house. So she is from an Indian background, and she thought, oh, that Ravi Zacharias guy is from India. I should contact them and try to figure out what to do. And ended up married Ravi Zacharias' nephew and went into the family business. So she went and got her apologetics you know, training in Oxford. She did her uh, her degrees in physics and religion, which I think are kind of, uh, don't usually go together, right? Uh, and then next slide is Samson, our Pakistani worker. Some of you may have heard of Asia Bibi and the whole blasphemy case. Samson was working in the hospital, in the hospitals, in the prisons with people who were charged with these blasphemy things. So much so that people would call, you know how Pakistan is, they would, people would call him and say, we know what you're doing. You need to stop that. We know where your kids go to school. If you want to see your kids again, stop telling them about Jesus. Stop working and stop reading the Bible with people in prison. So they came uh, in 2013. Samson is an all-star Pakistani church. He has two Pakistani churches. And then next, I think next, oh yeah, then we started getting all these home groups together. This is our underground church. And we meet in the basement of a church. So, uh, and this is where people who feel comfortable coming to a gathering, uh, when they indicate to us they are ready, the same way as Dreamer said, I want to talk to a Christian. We say, okay, cool. So we throw them all together in a room and see what happens. And then next slide, I think is, yeah, so at, at Christmas, this is the big one. We have about 200 people that come out to that. Uh, and next slide should be Dreamer. Yeah. And then uh, Dreamer also has her home church, <clears throat> totally for ladies, and mostly speaking Farsi. And the next church, next church. Oh yeah, these are people that got perfect attendance at church. Do you give out attendance things for, no. They are like, they love, they're not uh, believers yet. They just love coming and, you know. This lady here next to Haley, she said, I just feel like every time we're praying, I'm lifted off the ground. And uh, lots, anyways, there's a million stories. But the next one, I hope, (laughs) is, uh, oh no. We take interns. Let's see what else we do. Next one. And then mission teams. People come in the summer. And then next one. Uh, Haley got on TV with Lorna Duick. And no, next one. Then we met this guy, David Garrison. So I'm not sure if you heard of him. He's a missiologist. He wrote this book, A Wind in the House of Islam, about how uh, Muslims are turning to Jesus all over the world like never before. And then David Garrison emailed me and he said, there's this guy who was one of my things from this book. I knew him. And he came to Toronto. You should meet with him. So if you go to the next slide. Uh, sorry, next one. <laughs> then I met this guy, Obed. Very serious dude. So if you meet, if you 
get to know Afghans, they just stare at you and size you up for a while, you know, to make sure you can, they can trust you. And then eventually, then when you get in, then they're your best buddies and they'll die for you. So uh, Obaid started working with us 2015 and is really pioneering some amazing uh, ministry. First time ever that Afghans are turning to Jesus in just crazy numbers. He just got back from Finland from the World Afghan Conference uh, when he's doing live streams of his uh, Bible studies. Facebook had to block him because there were so many death threats in the comments from people because they're sharing it and it's going all over to Afghanistan and uh, people all over the world. So Obed's been uh, just amazing and also helping locally in the GTA. But I wanted you to hear a little bit of his story, how he came to Christ from Afghanistan. So Obed, come up and share with us. Okay, thank you, Brother Sean, for, you know, explaining my, who am I? <laughs> okay. okay, so my name is, my name was Ubaidullah, so it was difficult to pronounce. I changed it to Obed, Obed, Obed. you can go to Obed. So, <laughs> so uh, I'm from Afghanistan. So I just share a little bit of my story because it's a long story and if I start now it will finish by next evening. <laughs> so, yeah, so from Afghanistan, I was born in Afghanistan in a, a Muslim family. When you say Muslim, there are different kinds of Muslim like Sister Roya was from a Shia background, I'm from a Sunni background, so it's different. Iran is a Shia country, Afghanistan is a Sunni country. Shias and Sunnis, they fight with each other and they kill each other. <laughs> they are against each other. We call each other infidels, like Shias and Sunnis. So that's how Muslims are different. You know, it's not about Muslims and Christians, Muslims and Jews. Even Shias and Sunnis, they kill each other because they think, Okay, Shias are not Muslims or Sunnis are not Muslims. So I was born in, in a Sunni country, but fortunately that, way, that time Afghanistan was a communist Muslim country, so we did not care about religion and God and faith. I say fortunately because it's good I had 14 years not to kill someone <laughs> because we were communists, so we didn't believe in suiciding ourselves or killing others or killing ourselves for the sake of God. So, but it was a communist country and Muslims were uh, fighting with us. We were communist Muslims and they killed two, billion pe two million people, sorry. <laughs> two million people in and, and 14 years and they destroyed the whole country. So like Afghans destroyed their own country. And uh, so I was born in that kind of situation, but I was in the capital, Kabul, where I was safe. I was safe, and I had the uh, opportunity to go to school, and, you know. And at uh, that time, Afghanistan was different. So uh, we had everything, access to everything, and we had freedom, and we were open-minded people. But today, it's different. But... After 14 years and after losing 2 million lives, 
like uh, then the our communist Muslim communist government was defeated and then the Muslims came and they took over and they said now this country should be a Muslim Muslim country so <laughs> it was a Muslim communist country uh, so so we were happy everyone was happy in the country we said we have around maybe 10 million refugees outside Afghanistan and 2 million people got killed and the whole country is destroyed. So it's good now. It's a Muslim country. We are all Muslims, so we will uh, have peace. But uh, again, the same Muslims who were fighting with us, they started fighting with each other. And then for five years, there was again fighting, but this side in the capital. This time it was inside the capital and big cities. So I experienced uh, war for the first time in my life in my streets and in my city, in my backyard, let's say. <laughs> so it was the first time that. And when the first day the war started in my city, so there were two mosques, one maybe one on this side and one on another side, maybe a two, three kilometers space distance between two mosques. This mosque was declaring holy war against that mosque. <laughs> that mosque was declaring holy war against this mosque, like the people of this mosque. So I was in the middle. I said, they said, they are not Muslim. No, they are not Muslim. So I said, okay, I'm in the middle, so who am I? <laughs> you know? So five years of fighting Muslims, and again, 100,000 people got killed in my small city. But this time, all people, like people, uh, like public, civilians. So I was a, let's say, a teenager, 14 years old guy. And uh, I also joined one of these groups, militant groups, and I was also fighting with against some other Muslims. Uh, but I joined the group the, because I wanted to protect myself and my family and to get some uh, food and, you know, uh, and also, you know, everyone wants to become famous and have power and those kinds of things. But mainly to protect myself and my family because in my country, uh, girls... And boys, it doesn't matter if you are a boy or a girl, you will be raped by men. So that's what's going on in my country, even right now. Before it was in the village, but now even in the cities you can experience that. And these people who came to the capital, they came from the village. So they were raping boys and girls. They are not interested in girls, but in boys. So... Uh, I joined and so for five years I was involved in uh, destroying our own city. <laughs> That's what I can say. And destroying our own lives and there was no school, nothing. And then the, another group of Muslims, they were called the Students Movement, Taliban. So the students came. The Taliban means students, so the students' movement came, the Taliban came, and they defeated all these other groups. And they started their own government. And they said, we are Muslim, they were not Muslims. So I said, okay, let's see. 
So for me, it was a question all the time that I was a communist Muslim. They said, you are not a Muslim. You became a holy warrior Muslim. Again, you, you are not a Muslim. So let's become a Talib Muslim, like an extremist, and just experience this. Maybe they will call you a Muslim. <laughs> so I was kind of confused that in this, in my country, in, in the whole Islamic world, no one is Muslims because everyone is against each other and they call each other infidels, you know, let alone Christians and Jews and those people. And the Taliban came and so I joined them after some time. And I, was, I had some good experience. Uh, I was a good fighter because I fought for five years from my teenage now I was young, so they accepted me. And uh, I went to a few battles, and they said, oh, you are a good fighter, so, but this is a student movement. You have to be a student, so you have to go to one of these Islamic schools and study about Islam. I said, yeah, I'm a Muslim, so that's a good thing, and I'm an Islamic fighter. So I joined one of these schools, and I was a soldier and a student. So it was a military religious school uh, where soldiers, when they were free, in their free time, they were studying about Islam. So for three years, I was studying there, but it was good for me but because for the first time, I got access to the Islamic books and I studied all those different Islamic subjects in a systematical way and I was supposed to be graduated in three years and become an imam. So I studied for three years. And uh, so as a soldier and a student, but a confused person. Because the more I was studying about my faith, and the more I was studying about Islam, uh, which was my faith, I, you know, I, I had more questions about who, uh, like, uh, you know, about Islam and about Allah and about my faith and about Muslims and about, about everything because it was so confusing for me. I couldn't find one main teaching about God or about the people of God or about uh, my belief. There are different ideas and different things. So it was so confusing. And I could not ask questions from my teachers because... You're not allowed to ask those kinds of questions. You're not allowed to ask questions about God. You know, they can blame you that you are, uh, you know, you doubt, you're doubting God. You're doubting his way. You're doubting his commandments. You're doubting his law. So, you know, they can punish you. And I didn't want to ask those questions because I wanted to show off that I was a brave Muslim militant and extremist and a brave and a bold Muslim, a strong Muslim. So I didn't want them to. But in, from in, inside me, there was a war going on. And I had many millions of questions. But I had no answer for those. One time when I was in, the, in my third year, so one day I was thinking with myself that, okay, so you go and fight for this God. You go and you do everything for this God. You, you, you even gave your life for this God. Because I was believing 
that if I die, I will go to heaven. If I kill people, I will go to heaven for the sake of this God. And I was believing that I am one of the holy <laughs> men of, you know, all, in all the Islamic world. And I was one of the good people, the best of all Muslims. So because I learned those stuff, I was following the Islamic law. So I was happy to give my life because I said, living in this world is, you know, it's, it's waste of time. Why? I want to die and be with Allah. I want to be in, 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 in paradise, you know. So that kind of uh, idea I had. Today, some preachers and some evangelists and missionaries, they go to Muslim countries or Hindu countries or anywhere, and they think that people don't have a gospel. They think that people don't have salvation. They think that people are lost. Yeah, the truth is that they don't have a, the gospel. They don't have the salvation, and they are lost. But no, they 100% believe that we have a gospel. We have salvation. They are sure about that. These people who are Muslim, Hindu, Buddhist, they are sure that we have a gospel. Our gospel is that Muhammad is there for us and he will take us to heaven. They are sure that they will go to heaven. Muhammad will take them to heaven like for Muslims. They are 100% sure. So, but they don't know about the gospel. So uh, we cannot... When we go to a Muslim, I, when I go to a Muslim, I don't tell them that, oh, you don't believe that you are not sure that you will go to heaven or not. They say, well, I am sure that one day I will go to heaven, soon or later, and Muhammad will take me to heaven. But I try to find opportunities how to share the true gospel with them and how to, you know, show them the love of God and Tell them, teach them about the grace of God and to, to, to tell them that what you believe on your gospel is fake and you don't believe actually in the gospel. That's not a gospel. That's a bad news for you. So, and one day I thought maybe there is no God, but I said, no, there is God. And uh, then, so a lot of confusion and finally, uh, that was my last day in that school. Then I left the school, it was my third year, and I didn't give the final exam before that I left the school. And I was thinking with myself, what should I do? What kind of God you are? Show me yourself, tell me something. I'm confused by your prophets. Everyone says something else. You know, when you read Quran, Moses says something else. Abraham says something else. Jesus says something else. They believe he's a prophet. Muhammad says something else, and then he's the best of all prophets. But then you see that Jesus is the best of, you know, there are more good things say, say, said about Jesus in the in, in Quran and all those stuff. Then, you know, I was confused and fighting with myself from inside, silently. Then I got the answer. I said, okay, there is no truth about this God, this God. There is no truth about this faith, this book, this law. Everything in this religion is fake. That's what the answer is. Leave it. Leave it. So from a person like one second before I was a person who was <laughs> ready to give my life for this God. And one second after I said, he's not God. This is religion is fake. You are a stupid. Don't be a Muslim. Leave this. 
Islam. So I said, yeah, this is the answer. Why should I kill myself from inside? <laughs> you know, I'm talk, fighting with myself, and there is no truth. I cannot find a truth here. So why should I, you know, believe in this? I said, okay, throw your turban, throw your books and gun everything. I took my bag and I left the school. Went back home after six or seven years. Because I was believing that my father and mother, they are not real Muslims. They are infidels, though they are Muslims. And if I see them, I may kill them. So it's better not to go home. Because you are not following 100% what is written in the book. So they are not good Muslims. So if I am a holy warrior and I am doing holy war, I should have started from my family. That's why I was just giving them a discount, not meeting them, visiting them. Because I didn't want to kill them. And I was feeling guilty that, yeah, sh you should start from them, you know. So I went back home. Everyone was happy. Oh, we are happy you came back. Taliban are not Muslims. They are not good. I said, yes, Taliban are not Muslims. I am also not a Muslim. I don't believe in Islam. Then they became extremists against me. What? <laughs> so, like, one day before, I, want, I was a Muslim. <laughs> you are like an infidel for me now. So my father said, okay, my son is emotional. Leave the country, go to Pakistan, because people will kill you. This country is, you know, you cannot say I'm a, not a Muslim. Went to Pakistan, and then, uh, just to make it short, I found Jesus through the Internet. That's why today I like the Internet, and I focus on the internet, and I reach out people through the internet. So uh, that time, everything was basic in Pakistan, the internet, everything. But, and I didn't know English, but Lord helped me to find an English website, to you know, read the New Testament in English, <laughs> and to trust in Jesus. And uh, so I gave my heart to Jesus I was studying in Pakistan for three years. I finished my studies. Then uh, when I tried to go to church in Pakistan, but they said, you are a Muslim, so they didn't let me <laughs> in. So I said, okay, no problem, because they were scared of me. Not me, every Muslim. I was not a Muslim. So, And went back to Afghanistan. Everything was different. You know, you could see more people from Western countries than Afghans in my city. <laughs> people from 45 countries, all soldiers and everyone. You could see, you know, tanks and soldiers and people and, you know. So it was a different... I found a good job. For three or four years, I couldn't find a missionary or a Christian in, in my city because I asked many people, but you know, maybe they were scared or whatever. So then my family, you know, they found out that I was a Christian because I got married in 2007. You started to <laughs> Jesus, the Jesus Network in 2007. When I got married, then I had to spend more time at home. Um, in Afghanistan, we live with our parents and we don't like leave them, that's the culture. Unless, you know, you are rich and you can buy a house. That's one of the reasons. Because you cannot buy a house, then you say, I love my parents and I love it. <laughs> the reality is you cannot buy a house to move out. 
<laughs> so I was living there, and they found out, and uh, my family, they, uh, you know, I faced a very bad behavior. <laughs> my, they were very rude and violent, and, you know, they behaved like extremists, and they forced me to, you know, to say, just to say that I was a Christian, and I said no, and then they tried to force me through other sources, local sources, and that's how me and my wife, we escaped the country, went to India, went to the first church, a fighting happened during the preaching. <laughs> Some people got injured. <laughs> it was a, you know, Afghan church. So Afghan church should be different from your church, you know. Some fighting, some beating, you know. So it was first church. First time I went to a church and that thing happened. A good, the worst thing was that I told my wife, you, she's just, a, she was a nom nominal Christian. I told her, you don't know about love. Let's go to church and I will show you what love is. <laughs> and we went to church. They don't know us. So one person said, the pastor is going to USA, like Afghan pastor. So maybe I'm one of the nominations, like I'll be the next pastor to be in my group. I said, what group? Then the next guy said, I'm also one of the nominations, so you have to support me. I said, it's my first day. Then the third guy came, so three different groups. And when the pastor was preaching, suddenly someone said something, and then that guy said, just keep quiet. And he said, no, I don't. Then they start fighting, and three groups, like two of them, they just started fighting. And someone kicked someone, and he fell off the balcony. It's one hand and one leg, like from one side it was broken. Then the police came and we escaped from the church. <laughs> and me and my wife, we were, you know, laughing. Oh, she, she told me, yeah, this is love. I lied. <laughs> I said, yes, we love each other. That's why we beat each other. It's a <laughs> loving beating. Out of love, you know. So then... Uh, we found a good brethren church, English church. We went there. They accepted us. My wife came to faith through that church. She believed in Jesus after some time. Uh, they helped us to plant an Afghan church with Muslims. We found 18 Muslims, two families, you know, Afghani families, nine, nine. So I found only two families, nine plus nine, 18. Me and my wife, 20 people. It's a church, yeah? <laughs> Big church. So every... So the, then we planted, like when I was in India, we planted five different churches in three different languages, Farsi, Pashto, and English, because uh, refugees in, uh, Afghan refugees in India, they cannot read. The young people, they cannot read Farsi or Pashto, so they can read English, so we start a church for young people. And then... Faced a lot of persecution by the Afghan Muslim community in New Delhi because they are in majority there, using the local police and the Afghan embassy and, you know, the Afghani gangs in New Delhi. They <laughs> persecuted us a lot, but everything uh, is gone now. And then I was sponsored by a Pentecostal church and came to Canada and... What, 
when I was in India, I don't know, I was all the time preaching against, it's not good to say Pentecostal people. Oh, they don't know, what is this, you know, speaking in the you know, tanks and this and that. When I came to Canada, went to the church because they wanted to introduce me to the congregation. I saw it's a Pentecostal church. I, I didn't know. I said, no, you are wrong. So, <laughs> so they, they sponsored me and then I met Brother Sean and uh, he showed a lot of love and trusted me. And so now we are reaching out Muslims in the GTA area and through Facebook and we have we start uh, uh, different small groups in Scarborough, Mississauga and we have groups in Toncliffe so that's yeah a little bit information about me. When when fighting it wasn't one of the love languages in the book that we all read, right? But uh, we just praise God for how he's worked in uh, Obed's life and uh, dreamers and others that we work with. And obviously, they have a bajillion other stories. So if you want to take some time and get to know them. We wanted to uh, remember the Lord and uh, have a feast together to remember his body that was broken and his blood that was spilled. So I wanted to just get Haley to tell a really quick story about one of the ladies in Dreamer's home church that took communion for the very first time and what that was like for her. Thank you. I should make it quick, but I just wanted to share an experience that was moving for me to witness, and I thought if I shared it with you guys as we take communion together, we can just um, appreciate the Lord and the opportunity to, to remember him um, publicly. Uh, there's a lady, we call her Sparrow for security reasons we don't use people's real names, um, and she's an Afghan uh, middle-aged woman. Uh, her husband left her to marry a younger, more beautiful woman. That's a common Afghan practice. So she was uh, left a single mom with five children, hard life. Um, similar to Dreamer, she had a dream about Jesus. Um, and what we call her, uh, we, when we met her, she was like a closet Christian. And I mean that in the most literal way possible. Roy, a dreamer and I went to visit her at her home, and she literally took us in the closet, closed the door, and on the back of the closet door is a picture of Jesus. And she said, this is where I pray so that my family doesn't know that I pray to Jesus. And so um, she was a secret believer. And so we started praying with her and discipling her. Um, and Obeid and Roy and I had the privilege of being in her home last year when she declared her faith to members of her family and her neighbor, too. So she's starting to um, become more public about her faith. Uh, so she's been uh, attending the home church in Roya's home. And I'm sorry, I, 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 Roya means dreamer, so I always get them mixed up. So in Dreamer's home church, she came and um, we decided to take communion that night, and she was absolutely amazed that she would be allowed to take communion. She's like, are you sure? And we said, well, do you believe that Jesus died for your sins and rose again and that you, you know, you've confessed your faith in him and you're his follower? She said, yes, yes. I said, well, then in that case, you're allowed to take communion. And she was like, um, I've, it was like 
I'm trying to think of an example, like a child on their first day of school, or there was something like where she was just so excited to be able to be part of this, um, this sort of age-old, timeless Christian practice. And as she took the, the communion, like tears were streaming down her face, and she um, was just like, I love you, Jesus. Of course, her English is broken. She said, my heart belongs to you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. And these tears were streaming down her face as she took communion for the first time in Dreamers Home Church just a few months ago. And for us, it's just like our pleasure to get to be there and witness those experiences, right, where people's hearts are just um, opening to the love of Christ in ways that we could never imagine. And um, it's certainly not... Uh, our love, it's his love. Our love's not actually enough for them. They need him. But we, we become like family to them. Um, uh, mentoring and discipling a Muslim is like adopting someone into your family. Um, because they will, just like Brother Obaid and Sister Roya, they lost their families when they came to faith. So we need to be prepared to become that family. Um, and that's our privilege. Because we will learn just as much from them as they will learn from us, or maybe more because um, their hearts will be so tender, and they, they've come from such a darkness that the light is, like, so bright for them. And so uh, it was great to hear, again, um, their testimonies. They, for us, are um, special and chosen by the Lord to reach their people, and we want to do everything we can to encourage and support them. So please take time to get to know these guys commit to prayer. And as we take communion today, can you think about Sparrow taking communion for the first time with tears streaming down her face just at the privilege to remember Jesus? Thank you. So I think we're just going to read in English and in Farsi, uh, 1 Corinthians 11, I think it's available there. So Dreamer, why don't you come up and we can see the English, but if you can read that in Farsi. I hope you understand. تعالی می را که به شما دادم از خود خداوند گرفتم و آن این بود که عیسی خداوند در شبی که تسلیم دشمنان شد نان را گرفت و بعد از شوک‌گذاری آن را پاره کرد گفت این است بدن من برای شما این را به یاد من به جا آورید همانطور پس از شام پیاله را نیز برداشته گفت این پیاله همان پیمان تازه است که با خون من بسته می شود. هرگاه این را می نوشید به یاد من بنوشید. زیرا تا وقت آمدن خداوند هرگاه این نان را بخورید و پیاله را بنوشید مگر او را اعلام می کنید. آمین. So let's just pray as we remember the Lord, and then we can share in this together. Thank you for what you've done to us, Lord, what you've done for us, what you've done in us, through us, and um, you will continue to do. It's your work. You created these good things for us to do, and we are uh, carrying these things out as we remember you. Help us to remember Remember how your love touched us the first time and how the thrill of uh, knowing that we are part of your family. Help us as we take this bread and this cup that reminds us of your body and your blood that we would remember again. In your name we pray. <clears throat> 